Good Gabs, sponsored by Skillskin, a nonprofit organization empowering individuals with disabilities through employment. Hey, Good Gabbers, this is Steve McBride here today. Uh, I am excited. Um, spring is upon us, and today we have Joe Bruce, uh, NASA and JPL ambassador. We're excited to have you. Thanks. It's great to be here and enjoy the sunshine. <laughs> I know, right? It's been a long winter, it right? It has been, indeed. <laughs> I know. It's been on my mind. Uh, but I, I knew everything's over because uh, just a few days ago, the garlic popped up in my garden. And That's what I'm waiting for is to see those first sprouts. And I know spring is here. <laughs> yes. The, there's these uh, little flowers called snowbells, too. They uh-huh. came out. They bloomed. I'm like, okay, I'm going to write it in my my book that I keep uh, every uh-huh. year about, um, you know, when spring comes, because I love garden. I and that love... lifts my spirits when I see that. So yes. good for you. The honeybees are waking <laughs> up. So yeah. it's good times. Well, again, Joe, thanks for being here with us. And You're Welcome. Thanks um, for inviting me. Heck yeah. Um, we're curious, you know, uh, tell us more about being an ambassador. It's like, we see the suit, everything. <laughs> this is cool. Well, uh, about 25 years ago, uh, a person down at uh, NASA's Jet Propulsion Lab in Pasadena got this bright idea of just bringing in volunteers that had a passion for space exploration. And they started this program, and it's managed out of Pasadena. And there's about, uh, well, over 1,000 of us scattered throughout the country. And we uh, do educational outreach for NASA. Each of us has their own different take on it, different program. And mine just happens to be a lot of a space history. Okay. And so I bring in uh, artifacts from the space program, like my glove here. And I have a piece of Mars that I bring in and rocket engines and uh, just all kinds of artifacts and let kids see them. And for me, that's important. My degree is yeah. in science education. And I grew up in a little town in central Washington near Leavenworth. And I was born in Leavenworth. Which town? Uh, Peshaston. Okay. I don't even know that town. I know this uh, state pretty well. Leavenworth and uh, Kashmir uh-huh. in between is Peshaston Dryden. And it was a small town, my graduating okay. class of 37. And uh, on uh, Sundays, my parents would take us down to Wenatchee. And we'd go to the Arctic Circle for uh, lunch and then go to the Wenatchee Valley Mall to walk the mall. And I don't know, it was probably grade school age, and I walked up to the mall, and here is this huge Titan missile laying on its side. Yeah. And that just had a huge impact on me. And so uh, as I got my teaching degree and moved on, I thought, wow, I would really love to just be able to share that, what I felt when I saw that rocket with other kids and inspire other kids. So that gave me the idea to start what I call Space Frontiers. And I've been doing it now for uh, our son is going to be 40. So I think about 35 years I've been doing this program really? in the Spokane region. Okay, I got a question then. Yes. Did you bring uh, some of the Mars ro- rover prototypes to Spokane like 35 years ago? No, that wasn't me. I wish it had been. <laughs> well, that's what inspired me. I remember really? it was at Chase Middle School. It was the first year oh. it was ever built. It uh-huh. was uh, the inaugural year. I was at it. And they brought one of uh, the rover prototypes types and it moved and how did i miss that i don't know because it was absolutely amazing uh-huh. it was um so impactful i remember it now i was one of the kids who like ran up because i wanted it to like roll over me uh-huh. and i was like you know this titanium amazing like uh-huh. 
engineered machine that, you know, a version of it was going to be on another planet. It just blew my mind. Oh, I don't know how I missed that one. Uh, But uh, I have uh, brought astronauts to Spokane to talk to the middle school or elementary schools and uh, just spend some time visiting. So I've done that and uh, just go out to retirement communities and uh, civic groups, anybody that's interested in the space program. And uh, I've been doing it. uh, I applied about 16 years ago to the Solar System Ambassador Program. And so I had to submit my application and send them references, and they checked all that. And I was accepted in the program. For, so for the last 16 years, I've been traveling around as an ambassador for uh, NASA. And, just, and all over the country? Well, primarily eastern Washington, northern Idaho. I have uh, gone into Canada to do it, uh, been to Tennessee and done the program. And uh, a few years ago, and then last year, uh, Guatemala actually did uh, the program a little bit down there. So a little bit of travel. But just inspiring, you know, the the local kids, this community. Like, what are some of the takeaways that you've had, uh, you know, doing the show and, and exposing these kids to something you know way bigger than themselves (laughs) i i feel like i'm pretty privileged because when you walk into an elementary classroom two things will uh, snag a child space and dinosaurs and i've got the (laughs) space yes so i've got the space thing but it's for me it's just fun seeing the reaction from the kids i get a lot of energy uh from when i get a group of kindergarten kids uh just so excited I get a whole lot more animated uh, the more energy I see in those kids. And so uh, they just seem to have a, a really good time with it. But for me, it's been fun seeing these kindergarten kids that the awesome questions that they have. They're well thought out. They're intelligent questions. But they have some great uh Sometimes stumper questions. Really, I wonder where all that insight comes from. Just that intuition. It, it, there are a lot of these kids that it's a spark in them, and there's something there that's uh, interesting, and they want to know more about it. And for me, I walk into a classroom, and no matter what the age, and I see these kids, and I think, hmm, somewhere in that classroom could be the next Neil Armstrong, the next Absolutely. Sally Ride, the next Anne McLean yes. from here in Spokane. That could be them, or it could be a possible future president. But just the right word could spark something in those children, and who knows where that might lead. So for me, I, that gives me a lot of energy when I go into a classroom. And it's been uh, long enough now. Um, you're going to start seeing some of that, I think. Uh, some of these uh, kids who are mm-hmm. now adults, they're, they're going to be starting to make their moves in their careers. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's uh, a lot of these kids, when I walk in, especially with high schoolers, uh, they're starting to think exactly what you're saying, that, hmm, I want to be an artist, I want to be a musician, I want to be whatever it is, that's what I want to be when I get out of school and college. And I tell these kids, whatever it is you're dreaming, it's yours if you want it enough. But you've just got to want it and go for it. And when you get into uh, high school, take all the math and science you can. And then when you get into college, find something that you love and learn everything that you can about it and then go from there. And so a lot of these kids, yeah, they're, 
some of them are now out of college and going on. And we as teachers, we may never see the outcome of what we do. Right. But as teachers, it's our hope that we've touched at least one child and they're out there doing something cool in the community and making a difference. And so that's that's what drives me on. Well, I mean, it's guaranteed, right? Like there's that spark. Mm-hmm. Was, you know, that Mars rover for me, it really made me uh-huh. want to dive into math and science at that time. That was definitely before, you know, uh, there was an emphasis in the STEM uh, fields. Mm-hmm. Yep. But I went in, you know, in college, I took physics. I didn't need to. I just was interested. Uh-huh. I'm like, let's learn more. And that- some of those principles uh, have just been... I don't know. I think about it all the time. Uh-huh. We yeah. talked about the uh, law of conservation of energy mm-hmm. uh, just yesterday at lunch, and I was just cracking up because I'm like, oh, I can follow this. I know this. Well, yeah. and we don't realize it uh, very often, but it's very true. Every one of us here in this room or when we step out, uh, I was talking to a group of high school and elementary kids a couple of days ago, and I told one of the students, I said, every one of us in this room is impacted from a spinoff from our space program. Yes. Every one of us. And if we look at it, those within our city, uh, because we have weather satellites that came from NASA, and we gain information from those satellites that say, hey, you've got to get those people off the street because we've got a cold weather snap coming. So everybody's impacted in some way from the spinoffs from NASA. So we just have to look. Yeah, well, even just like a lot of the products that we mm-hmm. we have came from that. Well, I mean, the technology in this room, if you look at that, uh, that came from the miniaturization. Because when I was growing up, uh, we had these TVs that had tubes that were two or three inches tall. And my vacuum dad, tube? Vacuum tubes. Yeah. And my dad would go to the Safeway, pick out a vacuum tube and replace the one that was in the TV, and we're back in operation. And now all this is miniaturization. My calculator has more power in it than some of the early, uh, well, like uh, when Alan uh, Shepard first flew in space, the first American to fly in space. I walked into the launch uh, complex where he was launched from several years ago, and the room wasn't very big, and the wall was lined with cupboards. Those cupboards were their computers. And so I tell kids now, that cell phone that you have in your hand it has more power than the first what we used to launch the first Americans into space, and so we. What do their eyes do when you talk like that? For me, elementary kids, I can get a little bit more reaction, uh-huh. and so you can see the their change in their face. But older students, high school students, it's a little harder to get a reaction from them. <laughs> But still, there's, there's, there's those times, oh, yeah. and like when I was, uh, like I said, a couple of days ago speaking with a group of high school students, their energy was just blowing me away. And there's one young man that was building a rover uh, that he hopes to someday send to the moon. And so he and I got to talking, and just his interest, and he got my interest. So there was a mutual uh, back and forth there, and we had a nice, a really nice long conversation. That's a, that sounds amazing. Speaking of the moon, how do you feel personally about, you know, America and the world, like refocusing in on the moon and saying, hey, yeah, let's go explore some more. Okay. This is Joe Bruce, one-on-one. Yes. <laughs> uh, I have two perspectives on this. 
One is more of a more of an esoteric uh, look at it, but you and I, we're interested. We are a curious creature. If it weren't for our human curiosity, you and I would be sitting somewhere on a log, breaking our food open with a rock. Yeah. And so it's that human curiosity that has drawn us forward. In the early days, uh, we looked westward across the Atlantic Ocean to the west, wondering what was beyond that shore or that horizon. And that drove our explorations then. Once we got to this continent and the eastern shores of this continent, we looked, what's beyond that next mountain? What's beyond that next river? And that drove us forward. Right now, we stand on this shoreline called Earth and look off into space, wondering what's beyond that next star? What's beyond that next galaxy out there? And so that's the esoteric part of it. But then there's just the practical part of it is, this planet uh, has been around for about 4.6 billion years, and uh, just a bit, just a bit. And uh, our sun has maybe another five billion years or so in its life, and eventually it's going to expand out and swallow up out to Mars. And so this planet that we live on, Siakowski, uh said it. Uh, I was about 1913 or something like that. That. Uh, and I, I'll hope I can get this uh, quote right. Earth is a cradle of humanity, but humanity cannot remain in the cradle forever. And Powerful. So, so that's where we are is we're in this cradle called Earth, and this Earth isn't going to be around forever. And so if the human species is going to continue, then we need to be looking out uh, into, the, into space and into the, our future. So going back to the moon, uh, I think that's critical because there are, uh, Earth is a big gravity well. Right. And it takes a lot of energy to get away from this gravity well, whereas on the moon, it's one-sixth. So if we set up a base on the moon and have the uh, components there within the lunar regolith that we can build or even create our own fuel because there's water on the moon, so we can break that hydrogen oxygen and make rocket fuel, it's a lot easier to get off uh, from a 1.6 G moon than here on Earth at 1 G. And so going off into our solar system, the moon is going to be a great stepping stone right. off to Mars and out into our solar system. And uh, for me, I keep thinking... You're going to see this happen. You're going to see it happen. So I, cool. I've told my kids, like I said, our son is, uh, I think he's a... Going on 40 years, I'll have to check that with my wife. I know he's getting close to 40. And our daughter, you know, she's three years younger, or two years younger. But anyway, I've always told them, someday they may uh, vacation in space. That's my dream. I said that to my wife before we got married. I just said, hey, all the cards on the table. Like, if space is an opportunity for me, like, Mm -hmm. I just, I got to take it. Uh And I don't know if she really heard me, (laughs) but I said it. So that counts, right? It it counts. It's exactly right. You know, and that's the thing. I have been, in all the years that uh, Kathy and I have been married, uh, it'll be 42 years this year. And uh, I've got to say, she has been so, so supportive of all my endeavors and my wild hairs and my wild trips that I've taken that uh, it's important to have that spouse that uh, is so supportive of what we're doing. So I've been very fortunate in that. So. Yeah. Well, good. I'm happy to hear that. Yeah. That's a, a real fortune. Yeah. Yeah. yeah as a matter of fact, uh, she uh, told me the other day, uh, 
okay, take, start taking a look because coming up uh, in April uh, at JPL, they have what uh, they call Explore JPL. It's an open house. And cool. uh, the opportunity for us ambassadors then is we can go and work at that. So I'm hoping uh, in April, I'll be uh, at the end of April, I'll be in, uh, at JPL uh, talking to folks and just kind of guiding them th- through a little bit. Of- I can't wait to hear about it. Yeah, Bruce, make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> So did you raise your family here? You've been in Spokane for a while? Yes. Uh, I grew up, again, in Peshastin, Washington. And uh, I started my uh, uh, high school uh, education at Wenatchee Valley College. Uh, That way I could stay at home and it was inexpensive. Uh Just come down the valley, you're good to go. Good to go. And I was going to go into electrical engineering. And I changed my mind real quick on that one. And uh, then I transferred from Wenatchee Valley College over to Central Washington University, and I was going, uh, going into math education. I wanted to be a teacher. I had an awesome uh, high school math teacher all four years, and uh, my last year of math, we only had trig, uh, and there were two of us in the class. And so he is really one of the big reasons I went, was going into education. So I went into education, and did a few years uh, in math education, then decided I wasn't enjoying myself. And so uh, I decided to change my major again to science education. And then why didn't I think of this in the first place? The light bulb went the on. The light bulb went on, <laughs> exactly. And by that time, Kathy and I were dating, and she was from Spokane. And um, so we were engaged, and I did my student teaching in Wenatchee and moved back uh, after that to Spokane and um, have been here ever since. And so uh, we've got uh, five acres out on the South Hill, and um, I grew up in the middle of an apple orchard, so I didn't want to have neighbors in too close. So we found this five acres and have been out there ever since. And so our kids uh, grew up out there and went to Chase Middle School and then on to Ferris High School. So we've had a great time. That's kind of how I got involved. And your in son's 40? I think he's close to 40. I'm 41. We probably went to school you together. Went to school I went together. to Chase. I went to Ferris. Yeah. yeah. My brother's like six years younger than me. So, yep. I Our bet. families crossed. Yeah. I'm sure they did. Yeah. <laughs> Ham on Regal uh, did that. Good for you. That's awesome. But uh, kind of what kicked this all into place <laughs> in play was when uh, our son was at Moran Prairie. His was the first kindergarten class at Moran Prairie. It just opened. And um, he was talking to his uh, teacher and telling her about some of the things that dad had down in the basement. And uh, she invited me to come visit her class. And so I took a bunch of my stuff with me, and I've been going back to Moran Prairie now ever since and uh, go to uh, kindergarten classes and talk to them. But it just kind of the program after that just expanded out. Uh, and now people have seen me on TV and heard about me f- through radio and newspaper. And so I get calls f- from people saying, hey, can you come talk to my class? And it's so, so cool to be in service like that to, <sighs> to folks, and especially to children, to inspire them for you know, something bigger than themselves. Uh, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. And it's just, again, just seeing their light, the lights come on in their eyes. It, for me, it's been a ton of fun to be able to do that. And... Uh, I oftentimes, when I'm talking to 
you know, uh, retirement communities or going to an adult group, a civic group or whatever, I love to make the challenge to them that, uh, you know, if you have a child, a grandchild, a nephew, a niece, uh, whatever, you have any interaction with a child, I challenge you to mentor that child and just work with that child because just the right word from you could lead them on to doing something great. And so any adult that I talk to that has any interaction with kids, that's my challenge to them. Oh, what you're saying really resonates. And that's what scared the heck out of me when, uh, you know, I married into a family and I was like, oh, I really have a lot of impact on this kid. And, you know, mm-hmm. I got to be careful with, you know, this person's their heart, their brain, like mm-hmm. here we go. Cause we can really inspire them. Uh-huh. Oh, well, well said. And yeah, listeners listen to that. Be careful what you say. <laughs> okay. So here's the ultimate question. Uh-huh. Um, applets and cutlets. <laughs> Yay. Nay. Okay. My wife worked there the whole time I was doing my yes. student teaching. So my wife was there on the, uh, the belt working. Uh, I'm not a big fan. Uh, I like my fruit fresh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's a great product. And uh, I have people that sometimes, if you're going over, would you bring me back a box? So I'm always happy to do that. But um, I'm one of those people. It's like, man, just that, that sugar concoction, <laughs> that Turkish delight. Uh-huh, I'm yes. into it. There's a story in my family. Apparently, my grandpa... Uh, He's a traveling salesman. He sold some of the first computers. He had Imperial Data Supply okay. uh, here in Spokane for a long time, and he called it business machines. And um, he was out on the road doing the sales calls, and apparently um, it was a restaurant, and one of the owners of the Applets and Cotlets was choking, and he performed the Heimlich <laughs> maneuver on him. And uh, so my grandparents would get these boxes every Christmas oh <laughs> of cases of applets and cutlets. And it happened until the day that guy died. Oh, really? Yes. Wow. And um, yeah, that's, I guess that's where my love came from them. Yeah. Yep. My wife, side note, <laughs> my wife, she was there at the time when they were trying some new flavors. And so she'd bring home a new flavor every now and then just to test it and see. And so some of those, uh, she had a tiny part maybe in the hand of how they got chosen. Well, Kathy, if you're listening, thank you. <laughs> yeah, Steve McBride thanks you. Well, hey, we've been burying the lead for a long time. I know our listeners have been uh, looking at this glove. They're asking themselves, what is happening here? Bruce, can you let us know what's going on? Well, I, I usually carry around with me some sort of artifact from the space program. I thought today it would be appropriate if I brought along with uh, me one of the EVA gloves from the shuttle program. And these are uh, actually still currently being used on board the station as well. So this this hooks to the suit? Uh, I don't have the blocking ring for it. Uh, when I got, th- this is actually three separate gloves and I haven't been able to get the actual locking ring yet to it, yet. If any of you have one in the basement, <laughs> send it here, send it to Skillskid. We'll get it to Bruce. There you go. But uh, I, for me, the spacesuits have always been a fascination. And so uh, I got, uh, I, I keep watching auctions. There's online auctions, and I used to go uh, to Beverly Hills. There was an auction house down there that I would go visit and pick up artifacts periodically. And so this outer glove, I got it on an online auction several years ago. 
And then little by little, I just picked up the other two gloves that go inside it. And it's been probably a year and a half, maybe two years ago, I got the restraint glove that goes inside that. So this is more or less a complete glove now, but uh, it's just for me, uh, the weight to the thing is just incredible. You'd never believe that the thing weighs that much. But uh, when I first got this... Uh, Can I touch that? Absolutely. All right. There we go. Uh, when I first got that glove, it sat for months next to my chair just so every night I could sit by it and try fitting it on. It doesn't fit real well because uh, the person's hand was a lot smaller than mine. That is so cool. So, uh, yeah, that's just one of the artifacts uh, that I've collected over the years. I started, probably my first artifact was, I think it was my first year at uh, Wenatchee Valley College. Jim Irwin, who was an Apollo 15 astronaut, came to Wenatchee. And so my sister and I uh, went to listen to Jim speak, and he signed a book for me to Joe. And so that was my first artifact that I collected from the space program. And then over the years, uh, after Kathy and I got married, I had the opportunity then to start traveling a little bit. And so I'd travel around to some of the NASA centers and, um, and follow some of these auctions. And uh, like I said, uh, I've, a couple times I've been to Beverly Hills for auctions there and had the opportunity to sit behind uh, Apollo 12 astronaut uh, Al, or no, Pete Conrad and Bill Dana, the comedian. And to this day, I'm still kicking myself because at the intermission, more or less, of the auction, I didn't walk over and shake Pete Conrad's hand. And I'm still kicking myself to this day over that. Uh, but i uh, been able to pick up a lot of stuff. Uh, you know, like I've, I've got uh, some space suits, Russian uh, gear that I have, and uh, tires from the shuttle. Uh, the rear tire is about 200 pounds, so it's hard for me wow. to anymore to get up yeah. into the back of my pickup and get it to where I need to go. Uh, but um, just a bunch of artifacts that I can go down and just touch. And yeah. um, Some of it's been to space, too. Some of it has been to space, yeah. Uh, I've got uh, a shuttle tile that came off of Challenger or Columbia before the accident uh, that has flown in space. And then I've got a thermal blanket that is where the nose attachment to the external tank would pass through it. I've got some of the uh, thermal blanket that it would pass through from Columbia uh, that I uh, have collected. And so for me, it's just uh, I walk down at times in the basement, and I'll just stand there and just stare at my, my mini-museum. Uh, but yeah, it's, I've had some awesome opportunities in my life, um, again, thanks to Kathy, but I've had the opportunity to go down and see uh, four space shuttle launches. Um, the first space shuttle launch I saw was STS-4, the fourth launch of the shuttle. So it was still in... Uh, at which spaceport? At uh, Kennedy Space Center. Okay. Side note to that, I didn't know, maybe our listeners don't know too, the, the program that we are part of, the Ability One program, where we're putting, um, helping adults with disabilities uh, ah. find employment. We employ people. A lot of that's in the service world. Mm-hmm. We, uh, we do not SkillSkin, but the program cleans all the buildings at uh, that spaceport. Oh, really? Uh, also Cape Canaveral uh-huh. and does the grounds work there. Oh. And so that that's part of uh, what we do. And folks oh. living with disabilities are directly responsible uh, for the upkeep and part of the space program. And so oh. that's a story that gets told in our circles a lot. It's like, 
you know, the janitor that, uh-huh. you know, was holding the, the moth saying, yeah, I'm part of the space program. And that, that's part oh of what my. Skillskin's a part of, the Ability One program. So. I had I had never heard that. That's all. Oh, that's wonderful. Uh, the next time I go down to Kennedy Space Center, I'm going to have to. Yeah, if you out see and... Ability One, that that's oh, who we are. Okay. And so is uh, when the rock when a rocket goes, like, do you feel it? Absolutely. Uh, uh, I was uh, for uh, one. Of the, uh, I think it was STS forty five. Uh, I was three miles from the shuttle, so there's really nobody closer than the rescue crew out near the pad, and so I was at the. Um, Saturn Center, and uh, the liftoff occurred, and you don't hear anything for a little bit because you're still three miles away, and then you start hearing a low-level rumble, and then a popping and cracking, and being that close, eventually it's hard enough, you almost want to put your hands over your ears, and you can actually feel your clothing start to move, and uh, that goes on for uh, maybe a minute or so, and then by that time, you see a little dot on the horizon as it's moving away from you. And so, yeah, you really feel it. Um, I took our kids down for the fourth, or no, it was, uh, it was a night launch. And um, so the kids um, and I are staying side by side. And this one, we were a little farther away. I think we were about seven miles away uh, on Kennedy's uh, Space Center and or Cape Canaveral. And the engines ignite and everything around you turns this brilliant orange and you can read a newspaper from that distance. <laughs> and again, a little bit of sound delay. And then you start hearing that rumble and cracking. And I looked at my son and daughter on either side of me and their face was the color of the flame. And it was just incredible uh, to see. Um, one, of, one of the most fun launches, I guess, if that's the proper term. Uh, but anyway, uh, Kathy and I, uh, we were married in 1981, and so for our first anniversary, in those days, in 1982, you could buy a ticket, airline ticket, you could fly anywhere in the country as long as you didn't return to any one position or location. So we bought a ticket, and we flew to Knoxville for the Knoxville World's Fair because I've got a lot of family in the Knoxville area. And then we flew to Washington, D.C. and spent some time in Washington, D.C. Yeah, hop, skip, and a jump. Here hop, skip, go. and a jump. And then we flew down uh, to the uh, Cape for the fourth launch of the shuttle. And uh, we got to the hotel room, and they said, well, if you're going to see the launch, you need to get out there tonight. So we're in a Dotson. Because there's just so many people. So we're in a Dotson B-210. We drive out uh, to the Cape, and we find this space uh, alongside the road, and there's people everywhere. And uh, it was hot. This is in, uh, let's see, it would have been June. So it's hot, oh, the, humid. That and muggy they, Florida. And they, had, they just had a thunderstorm roll through. And so it was miserable. So we tried to sleep in a Datsun B210, which wasn't <laughs> real successful. So I'm up and down uh, just about all night watching because in the distance I can see the lights around the pad. They're having to do some repairs because hail had hit the external tank and done some damage. So uh, we got up the next morning and step out of our B, Datsun B210, pull out the camera. And Cam, uh, Kathy, she's got the camera, and she's just punching pictures one after another. And I'm st- standing there hooping and hollering as the rocket takes off. And um, I don't know if Kathy got a chance to see much of anything, but she got some great pictures. And like I said, two minutes later, it's a little dot on the horizon. And all of a sudden, thousands of people are going past us. And it took us hours 
till we could find our way and get into that line of traffic and get out of there. But that's how we spent our first anniversary. <laughs> awesome. And so, like I say, Kathy is very supportive. Well, what uh, a team. And that is a definite dream. Like, I'm sad I missed that, the space shuttle. But now we have, you know, rockets that land. Artemis. Well, and what? Uh, for, uh, well, for the uh, inaugural launch of the Falcon Heavy from SpaceX, where they launched the car, uh, I was very fortunate. I had planned a trip down there anyway, and I had a NASA escort. So the day before, he had taken me out to the pad, and I'm just a few hundred feet, you know, a couple, well, probably a couple football fields away from the pad, and here's the Falcon, the inaugural Falcon Heavy sitting there. And he said, here's the spot you need to take your picture. So I get my camera out, snap a picture, and literally within minutes, Kennedy Space Security, they're coming at us with lights flashing, and they pull up alongside and said, you need to be moving along. <laughs> so we, we did. Uh, but then the next day, uh, my NASA escort, he had been able to score a pass, and we were out in front of the vehicle assembly building, uh, which is about three miles from Pad A. And uh, I'm standing there, and we're waiting because delays of weather and everything, we're waiting. And so I'm standing around most of the day looking, and I'm noticing that all the doors on the vehicle assembly building had been closed, and that the big crawler, they were moving it off to a distant location. And I'm in this big open field, and uh, at liftoff time, all of a sudden it dawns on me that, oh, yeah. Those two side boosters, they're supposed to come back and land near where they took off yes. from. And I'm near where they took off from. And so if something goes wrong, that's why they closed up the vehicle assembly building and moved the crawler. Uh, fortunately, the side boosters did land where they're supposed to down uh, the beach a few miles. But, uh, and you just, saw it? Yeah, I was wow. there. Uh, and just that one, um, again, the sound and the light, uh, it was different than the shuttle uh, because the light was so bright, and it was amber in color. And uh, having all three of those boosters firing at one time, it just, uh, it, I still go back and look at my video, and I keep saying, I can see a sound wave coming at me. Probably not, but psychologically, psychologically there's a sound wave coming at me. Sold. I want to <laughs> see it. Joe, if you had a crystal ball and you were kind of thinking about space exploration, humanity, where we're going, I mean, there's a lot of challenges in our world, but mm -hmm. there's a lot of inspiration too. Mm -hmm. um, what's the next 20 years look like? What do you think we're going to do? The next 20 years from now, actually a lot sooner than that, at least for lunar exploration, uh, we're going to see possibly, and I'm crossing my fingers here, Anne McLean being... Uh, one of the first people to return to the moon. Uh, we'll find out next month. We're going to find out who the next, the first crew that's going to fly out to the moon for the first time since uh, the Apollo era. And so Anne McLean could be one of those people. But we're going to see uh, in the near term heading to the moon and landing there. And we're talking a lot right now about how do we build habitable uh, space for us on the moon. And we're looking at... Uh, tunnels, volcanic tunnels. The moon ha has had volcanoes. And so there have been lava tunnels, much like we see in Hawaii. So on to protect people from radiation, from, potentially. Exactly, exactly. And so we could move into some of these tunnels, or we could use the lunar regolith and 3D printing and print some habitats and then pile the regolith up over it to protect us. 
And so getting that going. And then uh, from that stair step, we're on to uh, Mars and the landing on Mars. And we're already looking at vehicles, possible vehicles. Uh, SpaceX uh, has been chosen for landers uh, for the uh, moon. And so with some of their vehicles that they're looking at, possibly on to Mars. So I think in our lifetime, we're going to be looking at the moon and Mars. And f for me, some of the exciting things that I'm looking at is uh, the discovery of life other than here on this little yes. blue ball that we're living on. Uh, there's a good possibility that uh, Europa, which orbits Jupiter, uh, it's an icy moon that has an icy crust, but underneath that icy crust is an ocean of water, and that there could be uh, water or uh, living life under that. It's not going to look like you or me, obviously, but, it, but it's going to be alive. But yeah, we're I think we're going to see it too. I, I'm in my hot tub, you know, I'm staring up at the stars. It's all I can think about. I'm like, what is there? Well, and when and you that's look, not even that's outside of our solar system. Exactly, all these gems just right in right in, in our next door neighbor, yeah. right next door neighbor. And when we look at it, we live in the the Milky Way, which has billions and billions of stars. Think of it this way: if you're standing on uh, uh, the beach at Lake Coeur d'Alene and you're going to count each sand grain on Lake Coeur d'Alene, that's what you're doing when you're looking at the stars in our sky from the Milky Way. Now think of that. That's just one galaxy. There are billions of galaxies out there with billions of stars just like that. And so the possibility of this little blue ball that we call Earth here and life here, what the possibilities are when you're talking about billions of stars with billions of uh, planets orbiting them in the, the galaxies. So that that's really exciting. Um, and I, I gotta be careful because what you see on the on uh, the internet is always true. But I saw right. something I saw something recently that uh, that uh, they think that they found a planet, more of an Earth-like planet, that's something like 51 light years away. That's not very far. away. That's not far away. Uh, if you think our star, the Sun, is uh, nine uh, light minutes away. The next closest star is about 4.5 light years away. So if we were to shoot a laser beam at that star, it would take four and a half years for that light beam to get there. And so there's a talk now of sending some small nano cameras on solar sails, sails and uh, setting up an array of laser light to shine on those sails and send them out uh, toward this uh, star. And they could get a fair percentage of the speed of light and arrive there in about 20 years. Wow. But they'd just be they'd fly around and pass, but they'd take pictures of this star and maybe some planets orbiting it. But I want to see that future. Yeah. Well, you know... <laughs> That's the funny thing. When I talk to a lot of the astronauts and talk to a lot of people interested in the space program, that future that we saw in Star Trek, that's what they're looking forward to. And uh, so you and I, Jim Kirk, was leading us off into the stars. And a lot of that technology that we thought was really wild then 
isn't so much. When you flip out your handphone and flip it, you've got a communicator in your hand now. Yes, you do. And a lot of the medical instruments now, they ta- you go in to uh, be checked up, they wave a wand across your forehead to take your temperature. So a lot of that technology that we saw uh, back in the 60s when I was growing up uh, in central Washington is now we're seeing a lot of it it's happen. It's a reality. Warp speed. Uh, uh, warp. Uh, I'm not sure when we're going to see that one, but uh, a lot of the other technologies are are happening. And that that is cool. And for me, it's just exciting to look out in the future and think, wow, my grandmother, she lived to be 100 years old, and she saw horse and buggy. She saw the first cars. She saw the first airplanes. She yep. saw people walking on the moon, and she saw the space shuttle. What in my life... Have I, I've seen airplanes. I've pe- seen people walk uh, on the moon. I've seen people flying in a space station orbiting our planet. And I've seen pictures from Pluto out there. What's going to happen in the next several years? Hopefully lots and lots of years in my life am I going to get a chance to see. A whole lot. I know. I'm just thinking about I'm finally just starting to get some perspective, right? I've been around enough revolutions around the sun to just, I'm starting to. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm not naive. I'm still young in Earth years. But I just was looking up at the stars this past summer, and I just noticed, you know, the satellites and a lot of them. And I remember that was a game as a small child, Mm -hmm. find the satellite. Sometimes I wouldn't. Mm-hmm. And now there's not a time that I can't. Yep. And yeah. that was just that, like, it was very impactful just to think about that. Like, mm-hmm. that's how far we've come just in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you had yeah. a chance to see any of the Starlink satellites? Oh, totally. Going? I've seen the Star Train. Yes. Have you seen them just after launch? No. There have been, uh, I've, Kathy and I got out one is night. It, is it a tight pattern? Yeah. Then yes, I have. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, uh, it, I was like, what is going uh-huh. on? Yeah. I we did had, see that. Uh, Kathy got her uh, phone out and snapped some real quick pictures mm-hmm. of one that went over our house. But uh, the first time I'd seen them, uh, I was out standing in the yard and I saw a satellite go over and a few seconds later, another one in the same pl- path. And then a few seconds later, and I stood there probably for 20 minutes as this train of satellites just kept going over. And uh, so, uh, yeah, it's just interesting to see. It, it is going to be looking into the future. We are going to have to look very seriously, though, at what we're putting into orbit around our planet. Yeah. Uh, because uh, there are thousands upon thousands of, uh, I don't know what the latest count is, of uh, artificial satellites, artificial moons around our planet. But uh, we've got to be real careful in the future because eventually, are we going to put so much up there that we're not going to be able to launch through it and fly into space? Yeah, without damage. And are we going to lock ourselves into this plant? So we really have to be cognizant of what we do in the future uh, so that we're, uh, we do become a spacefaring uh, species and are able to move on uh, out into the, into the sky. Cool. So, yeah, let's do it, humans. Let's yeah. be a multi-planetary, you know, race. I'm ready. Uh huh. Yeah. Good gabbers. What a day, Joe Bruce. Thank you so much for being with us. You're uh, very welcome. Learned a lot. I'm more excited than ever. I'm so happy that you're <laughs> connecting uh, with the youth in this community. Please continue and uh, just keep inspiring, folks. That's my plan. I don't plan on giving that up soon. I I get too much energy out of it, so too much enjoyment. 
I, I have more fun than the kids do. <laughs> I love it. That's when you know you're in the right spot. Joe, thanks for joining us today. You're very welcome. Thanks for inviting me. 